Happy Easter, church family. The genius of Jesus. I want you to know something today that years ago, before I ever would have found myself in a church, that when I thought about Jesus or I thought about God or I thought about the Bible, it was all fairy tales and, and fiction. And, and then whenever you get to know that there's someone that died for me and, and I think about the cross, it kind of would even seem like foolishness. You know, the Bible says that to those who are perishing, the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Do you know that Jesus, one of the names that he's given in Scripture is that he is the wisdom of God. God says this, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. Do you know that at the peak of your greatest intelligence, how much it fails compared to the wisdom of God, the genius of God, the amazing, incredible plan of God? Well, as you're joining us this morning for Easter Sunday, I want, you to, I want to tell you you've chosen a great time to be a part of us here at Evangel because starting this morning, we're going to have a three-part series of messages today and then over the next two weeks that's going to talk about the genius of Jesus. As you look at his life, as you really understand who he was, how he lived, how he died, how he rose, and how he's called us to live, you'll see the genius, the wisdom of God on full display. And so I hope that you'll make the most of it. My prayer is that Easter Sunday won't be the last time we see you. We're so glad that you're here with us. We're glad. Can you welcome all those watching online, wherever you find yourself? Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And those in overflow, come on, give a shout out to those that are in the overflow right now. We're glad to have you with us. And I'm excited because God is on the move. Amen. Oh, you're gonna have to do better than that this morning. You're the 11 o'clock crowd. Are you awake? You know why? Because there's a power that's available to us that I get to talk to you about today that we are celebrating on Easter Sunday. And I really, my prayer has been for so many of us that you come and I was one of those kids growing up that I'd be in church on Easter Sunday. And I knew the story about this guy named Jesus. Did it do anything to change my life? No, not at all. I left, I changed out of my clothes and I just lived the same old life that I've always been living. Do you know why? Because the story of the resurrection is one thing. You want to know what had the power to change my life that brought me years and years later to stand on a platform to share with you? It wasn't the story of his resurrection. It was the power of his resurrection in my life. And I want to tell you something today. You may have come here this morning, and if you hear that the pastor is going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus, you can say, Pastor, I already know the story. My question for you is, do you know the power of it? Do you know the power of his resurrection in your life? I tell you something today. The resurrection of Jesus is not a point of history. It is a power that is available to everyone who believes in Jesus. And that power has the power to transform your life, to change you forever. See, the point of Easter is not that Jesus resurrected, but that he is resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. And that power is available to us today. Come on, somebody. I believe someone today is going to experience that power. It's going to set you free. It's going to transform your life. I want to bring us to a passage of Scripture this morning. I just want to read this to you, and then we're going to get into, um, we're going to go into John's Gospel. And if you have your Bibles, you can just open up with me and get there in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Why don't you go ahead and start turning there? But as you're turning there, I'm going to read to you a verse of Scripture, two verses. It's found in the book of Philippians. 
While you're looking there, I want to just talk to you about who authored this, uh, this letter called the Book of Philippians we have in the New Testament. He's a man named Paul. His name before it was Paul was Saul. But God changed his name because God needed to change his identity. In many ways, I feel like that's the same story that God's done in my life. Um, if you could rewind the tape on my life, you could have seen who I used to be. Um, it's, I'm a different person today. It's because the truth and promise of the Bible that anyone who's in Jesus becomes a new creation. The old passes away. You're, you're a completely different person. That's true in Paul's life. Do you know why? Because on the first Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, that's the story of his resurrection. He died. He was buried in a tomb. It was sealed shut. And then on the third day, on Easter Sunday, that tomb was empty. And he, Jesus, was risen from the dead. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're celebrating. That's the good news that has changed the world as we know it. But on that first Easter Sunday, there's a man named Saul of Tarsus. He wants nothing to do with it. In fact, he so disbelieved in the resurrection of Jesus that as word began to spread and as people saw Jesus, his risen, his, his risen form, and they saw him and greeted him and ate with him, they began to spread like wildfire telling the story of his resurrection. But Paul wanted, Saul wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, as time went on and as this growing population of Christians began to spread around, he was at the front lines of, of trying to persecute, trying to kill, trying to extinguish this madness as he saw it. He saw it as craziness, as foolishness. Paul was a great religious man. He was a Jewish man. He was a, he was a man that was so studied. He had all the best education, all the best kinds of um, initials after his name. He had all the strength and eloquence. But it wasn't enough. All that couldn't save his soul. All that couldn't change his life. Do you want to know what changed Saul's life forever? When he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus came into his life, appeared to him, and changed him forever. I want to promise you something today. You found yourself in church, but you're kind of in a dangerous place. Because if you're far from God, I want you to know you could leave here and your life will never be the same. If you have the same encounter that he did, as Jesus shows up in your life, it has the power to change you forever. Paul's life would never be the same, and he would then live the rest of his life to tell others about what he had seen, that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. In that, he wrote a lot of letters. Most of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, I love this, and write it if you're taking any notes this morning, that in Philippians 3, Paul talks about all of his accolades and all of his accomplishments. He lists it all out there. He says, I was this and, and that, and I had this going for me. And he gets to the end of this list, and he basically says, and all of it is rubbish. It's street trash. I, I, I don't care about any of it. In Paul's life, he boiled it all down to this one thing he really wanted to know. And I would lean in here and really listen, because there's so many things we might want to know, but there's one thing you need to know today. He said, this is all that I want. I want to know Christ. That's what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Let me read it to you. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said the only thing he wanted to know was he wanted to know Christ. When I first read this verse, and I've read it many times over the years, I feel like Paul says he wants to know three things. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. But as I've really leaned in and studied it, I realize he really only wants to know one thing. He wants to know Christ. And do you know today that there's a difference between knowing about Christ and actually knowing Christ? 
I would say that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion can talk a lot about God. You can know about God. You can know about Jesus and be a very good religious person. But there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about. He says, I don't want to just know about him. I knew about a lot of things. I knew about the law. I knew about the Bible. I knew about all this, but I want to know Christ. And I would tell you this today. I would argue you cannot know Christ until you know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Until you can see the whole picture of who he is and understand this thing that the Apostle Paul calls the power of his resurrection. You can live a completely unchanged life. You can know a lot about God. You can be a great religious person. But today, Jesus desires. He didn't die to bring religion. He died to bring you into a relationship. He died to change your life forever. One of the greatest things we could want in this life is to really know God, to truly know him. The Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, he says there's a lot of things in this life we could boast about. And many of us, we have a lot of things that we would boast about. That's what Instagram is all about, isn't it? We just boast about things. Our car, our vacation, our whatever. Um, You know, we have things that we'll like to share and celebrate. And the Apostle Paul says, be careful, don't boast about, or not the Apostle Paul, Jeremiah, uh, is the Lord speaking. He says, don't boast about these things. The Apostle Paul says, I used to boast about all that, but I don't care about that anymore. Look what the prophet says. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. A lot of people are boasting about all those things all the time. But those who wish to boast should boast of this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates his unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Do you truly know him today? I could tell you I knew a lot about him at one point in my life, but I didn't really know him. I want to know Jesus the way that the Apostle Paul prays, that I want to know Christ in the power of of his resurrection. This has the power to change your life forever because I want you to know that the resurrection is not a point in history. It is also the power of God to save and transform your life. That's what I want to talk about this morning, the power of his resurrection. And in that, we will see the genius of Jesus. So now let's take a look here, John's Gospel, chapter 11. And let's just begin to dive in to this story. As you're turning there and beginning to look at this uh, passage of scripture, I want to give you a little bit of context A little bit of the surrounding story that's been going on up until this time. Jesus has been moving throughout all the area. He's been healing the sick. He's been teaching the people. He's been doing signs and wonders, things that they thought no man could ever do. People are amazed and saying, we've never heard anyone teach like this. We've never seen anyone do anything like this before. Surely he is sent from God. That's how many people felt. But other people, some very religious people, they weren't very happy. Because they felt like it was challenging everything that they had understood about who God was. Jesus was, was moving and, 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 and they felt like he was breaking rules and he was, he was reaching out to the people that they thought he shouldn't be reaching out to. And they were missing. They were looking for God, but they were missing him right in the person of Jesus. And so they began to try to plot to take Jesus' life. And sometimes as Jesus went places, people would uprise and they would want to kill him and his followers. This happened at one point in time, right before we get to John chapter 11, in the very area that we're going to be talking about. And now, as Jesus is moving around and teaching, he gets word that someone he cares about very dearly, his name is Lazarus, is sick. 
This is all within a week or so of Jesus ultimately going and dying on the cross for our sins. So before that, we have this moment that happens in John 11. So back in that day, we have a family named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They love Jesus. Jesus loves them very dearly. We learn a lot more about their background if you read in the different gospel accounts. But they find out that the one whom they love, Lazarus, is sick, and they want to get word to Jesus. Now, here's the problem. There was no text messaging in this day. Are you with me? There was no, there was no email blast. There was no prayer chain. There was no, there was no social media post. You could not put it on blast in any way. You couldn't even pick up a phone and call someone. Do you know how you can get word to someone that you needed to get their attention? You sent what the Bible would call is a runner. Someone was paid to do what you could do in two seconds right now. You need to talk to someone and they're, they're 20, 30, 40 miles away. You'd pick up your phone, you call them, and in a second you're connected. Do you know how long it would take someone if I said, hey, Pastor Marsha, I need to get the message. There's no Lexus, there's no cars, there's no Toyota, there's no, there's no train, there's no bus. You're running. So they call runners. And they say, we need to get the word. Go tell Jesus the one whom he loves is sick. Where is he? We don't know. Go figure it out. So there he goes. They take off running. So they sent someone. Now word gets to Jesus. The one whom you love is sick. And so in that moment, you think, okay, Jesus loves the, him. He's, he's there, and in a moment, he can go and be with him. But you know what startles me as I read in John chapter 11? What causes my mind to, to kind of ache, because I just can't quite understand how, how this could transpire? It says in verse 4, look at it. When Jesus heard about it, he said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I can't wrap my head around this. As a pastor, we get a lot of news about people that get sick. I've watched meetings where Pastor Marsha or Pastor Rick or one of our team members will hear that someone's in the, in the hospital. I've had it where someone has had something serious happen in their body, in their life, and there we are. We leave everything, and we have to get to the hospital. We have to be near to them. And here we see Jesus. Terrible pastoral care. Like, I don't even get it. The one whom you love is sick. You know what happens here? Jesus hears it. He sends the guy back on his way. He says, no, this sickness isn't going to end in death. Go ahead back. So now the runner goes all the way back to them, and Jesus goes on teaching and doing whatever he's been doing for another two days. And they get back. And could you imagine? This is what we don't often do. We don't get into the story enough. We don't realize these are real, living, breathing people with emotions and frustrations and pain just like you and I feel. Could you imagine Mary and Martha sitting there nursing their brother who is getting to the point of death? And they're watching as his symptoms are getting worse and worse and worse. And then the, the runner that they sent comes back and he says, did you tell him? Yes, I told him. What happened? He went right back to teaching. What do you mean he went right back to teaching? Oh, no, he said this sickness won't end in death. This looks like death to us. This doesn't look very good. And there they are looking out for Jesus, looking out for Jesus. And Jesus never shows up. Jesus is a no-show. But I thought you loved me, Jesus. I thought you loved us. I thought when we would call, you'd answer. You said this sickness wouldn't end in death. 
And the Bible goes on to say that Lazarus died. He died. Jesus said it wouldn't happen that way. And finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Jesus knew what had happened. And so Jesus then begins to speak to his disciples. And if you go down to verse 11, he'll, he says this, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'm going to go wake him up. And, and the disciples are saying, like, they don't even understand it. Like, he's going to sleep and you're going to wake him up. And, you know, here's what, here's what I realize if you read about the disciples. These are not superstars. They're just like you and me. They're very dense. And as they're very dense, they're, they're like, oh, well, okay, that's good. We're going to go wake him up. That's kind of weird, Jesus. So it says in verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Like, what? Lazarus is dead. The sickness wouldn't end in death. And here's what, this is, I can't, why would you say this, Jesus? And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Did I talk to you about this idea that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Do you want to know what this is that we're looking at right here? This isn't a negligent God that doesn't love us, that's so distant from the pain. This is the genius of Jesus, friends. This is what we're talking about. There's something here that he's about to do that's going to change everything. But it doesn't make that day. Just go there with me, okay? Have you ever had a day like this? A day when everything you hoped for, the thing that you were believing for, the very opposite happened? Have you ever been there on a day as you're sitting there and the people you thought you trusted most have walked out the door and abandoned you? Have you ever been in that day where the people that you had really called out to and knew would be there through thick and thin, they're nowhere to be found? And you feel all alone in your pain. You're going through something. You feel like there's a death happening around you. Or maybe you've even experienced death close to you. And you cried out and you prayed and you saw nothing of what you hoped for. You know what I like to call that day? I like to call that day Friday. Because as we look at the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find these three days. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Do you know what Friday was for Jesus? It was the day that all his friends abandoned him. That one that was close to him betrayed him. Have you ever been there? That it seemed like everything bad that could happen was unleashed in that moment. It was a day he was humiliated, that he was betrayed, that he was spat upon, that he was, he was hurt in such a deep way and something he did not deserve at all. It was a day of death. That's Friday. Can I tell you, friends, I think Mary and Martha had experienced a Friday before Good Friday. They'd experienced a day where everything they hoped for, the opposite was happening, where there was a pain so deep, there was a, even a betrayal and, and a no-show. Where was Jesus? There's more questions and answers. And it's in that place, it's a breeding ground for all of the worst that you could ever think or imagine. Where you start to believe and think things that are so backwards because nothing is making sense. Have you ever had a Friday like that before? Have you ever had a day where it's just not added up? And here's what I would tell you. When we go through days like that, when we experience a pain that's so deep, a death that's so confounding in our imagination, when we experience a betrayal or a hurt in some way, here's what I've realized. That yes, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday can come, but we never leave and can escape that Friday. 
We're stuck there forever. It's like a tar pit. And the longer you stay there in that place of brokenness, in that place of betrayal, there's a bitterness that will grow in you. And you will just stay stuck there. And it's Friday. And it will always be Friday. And it will always, the pain will always be relived in your life. The trauma will always be there. And you're just stuck in Friday. Jesus got word and he was on his way. Now the disciples were hesitant to go with Jesus. They said last time we were there, someone tried to kill us. So Thomas literally says, if you look there in verse 16, if you have your Bible open, Thomas says, let's go too and let's die with Jesus. What does that mean? They really expected a death was about to happen. They expected something was about to change and people were going to come against them. And so whenever Jesus actually arrives on the scene, so we got a little flickering light here ahead of us. I see Pastor Marshall looking up like, Lord, is that you? Okay. As we see this, this journey that they take and they, they go, it's a long journey. Could you imagine how long that person had to run to find Jesus? By the time Jesus leaves, he waits two days after he gets word that, that Lazarus is sick. And by the time he gets there, he's been dead for four days buried in a grave. Now Jesus gets there. Mary and Martha, there's a series of mourning that is going to happen for a whole month whenever someone dies in the Jewish faith. And people are there and they're just crying and weeping and grieving with them. And I'm sure because of how close they were to Jesus, the grief was even greater. He said the sickness wouldn't end in death. It did. They, he said he'd be here for us and he's not here. And we don't, we don't know what's going on. So when they get word that Jesus is coming, the Bible says that Martha ran out of the house and she ran towards Jesus. She met him while he was still on the road, still far away. And, and I want you to feel this. Feel her first words to Jesus. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hear that, church. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like God has let you down? Have you ever felt, come on, it's, it's okay to be real today in church. Has something ever happened and you just have felt like, God, if you were really here and you were real and you were, you, you were doing what you said you'd do, this wouldn't have turned out this way. So she's living in Friday. But now it's also Saturday. Saturday, do you know what Saturday is? Saturday is the day of no hope. It's a day when all hope is lost. It's a day whenever there isn't any turnaround. There's no chance of anything getting any better. Saturday is a day of utter hopelessness. And as we consider Saturday, he's been buried in the tomb for four days. There's a superstition in that time that after three days, maybe the person could raise from the dead. Maybe their spirit would kind of hang around. But on the fourth day, no hope at all. And so that's Saturday. Can I tell you that after we experience trauma and pain, in difficulty, betrayal, whatever it is. We could be living in a place of pain, but some of us were camped out on Saturday. We've just lost all hope. It's not getting any better. It's never going to turn around. The dream is dead. It's over. It's done. What I'd hoped for, I have no hope anymore. Call me bitter. I'm done. Some of us are living in that place of Saturday and we're stuck there. I'm telling you, it keeps you there. It becomes like a tomb on Saturday. Jesus is buried in a tomb and a stone is rolled in front of it and it's all done. All hope seems lost. Saturday is a day of silence. 
Your prayers have gone out and you've heard nothing. It feels like nothing is happening. Some of you have been in that place. You know Saturday very well. That you feel like you've called out to God and you feel like nothing's happening. Can I tell you, on Saturday, when it seemed like nothing was happening, everything was happening. When you saw nothing on the surface, there was so much happening. Do you want to know what happened on Friday? Jesus paid a price that we could never pay in and of ourselves. Jesus died on the cross. That pain, everything that he endured was so that you could be set free from the Fridays that you've been facing. Was so that you don't have to stay there and live there. And on Saturday, when everything seems silent and dormant, the Bible teaches that Jesus descended into the depths and he went to Satan and he took back the keys to hell, death, and the grave. And he said, no longer will death have the final word. No longer will death have a sting. No longer will the enemy have the final say in anyone's life. I'm raising up out of here and I'm going to raise people to life. That's what happened on Saturday. You see nothing happening. Everything is happening. God is moving in your waiting. God is moving in the silence. But doesn't the silence feel deafening, church? That's Saturday. And here's what I will tell you today. That if you allow it, the enemy will use the Friday and the Saturday to keep you from ever experiencing what happens on Sunday. Some of you, men, you'll live in that place. You just feel stuck in your own pain, in your own issues, in your own, in your own condemnation. You're just stuck in Friday. Some of you are buried in a tomb. There's a stone rolled in front of you, and there's no hope, and you're living in Saturday. But can I tell you, friends, if you allow it, Sunday's coming. The hope of the resurrection is coming. Jesus, when he shows up, he comes. And so he speaks to, to, to Martha. And Martha says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says this, your brother will rise again. And I want you to know, sometimes when you've been through a Friday and a Saturday, all you have are religious platitudes. You know what I'm talking about? You walked in here today and it's like, he is risen. He's risen indeed. Happy Easter. Yes, every, doesn't this look great? But on the inside, you feel dead. You were fighting on the way to church. You, 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 your marriage is falling apart. You can't seem to pay the bills. You just feel like you're just going through the motions. You're up to here. Some of you, you come in here and you don't even know if you want to live anymore. You're trapped. You're stuck. You have no hope at all. And yes, it's good. I could, I could talk the talk. I could sing the song. I could do whatever. But I want you to know, when you live in one of those two places long enough, those are the kind of lies the enemy will feed you. But Sunday's coming. I love this. Because she puts this problem out there in front of Jesus. Question. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And here's what I love what Jesus says. He doesn't come to her with an answer. He comes to her as the answer. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. She says, one day he'll rise again at the resurrection. No, 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 no. You miss it, Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever believes in me living will never die. And then he looks at her and he pulls her close. And he says, Martha, do you believe this? Did you catch that? Jesus didn't come with an answer. He came as the answer. Some of us today, we, I, I, I've been in positions as a pastor. I don't have answers to some of the things that you, 
you go through. I've seen things even in the last week or so, and I go to the Lord and look, Lord, I don't have an answer. And I was so thankful that this week as I was praying for this message, Jesus jumped off the page and said, you don't need an answer because I am the answer. I am the resurrection and the life. That's the answer. I am resurrection. And that resurrection power has the power to lift you out of Friday, to save you from Saturday, to open a tomb and set you free. Because it's in those two places that all kinds of doubt flood into your mind, doubt about your past, doubt about your present, doubt that you're good enough, you're thinking you deserve what's happened because God doesn't really love you, all kinds of lies. The enemy will feed you in those two days. But I promise you this, when Jesus shows up and the power of his resurrection touches your life, it sets you free. It changes you forever. And here's what happened on this day, on this one day, as Jesus showed up at the tomb. Four days have passed, it's hopeless. They have been been so hurting and so much pain because the one that they loved had been lost and Jesus meets them right in that place. And here's what he says, bring me to the tomb. Some of you are stuck in a place in Jesus this Easter Sunday, right now as I'm speaking, he's approaching that tomb in your life and he's standing right there in front of it. Come on, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now because I really believe the Lord is speaking to some people in this room. And here's what he's saying. He approaches your life and your life may feel like a wreck. It might feel like a complete disaster. You may feel all kinds of weights of shame and, and guilt. And if you, you may have so many things that you've been burying in your life, you've just tucked them away. You don't even want to think about them. Jesus approached the tomb and here's what the Lord said. Roll the stone away. And you know what their first response is? No. I don't want to roll this stone away, Jesus, because what's inside is not good, it's not pretty. The body has been in that tomb for four days and it's not gonna smell good, Jesus. King James Version says, it stinketh, Jesus. Some of you, you've been hiding so many things so buried in your life. As Jesus stands on the edge of your heart right now, you, you, you're so hesitant, like, God, if you really knew what was going on in my life right now, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. You would strike me with lightning for being in this building. Can I promise you this? That's not his response at all. Do you want to know what his response is? Same response we see here as he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus. The one he loved was separated from him. There was a stone. There was death. There was all kinds of obstacles that stood between him and the one whom he loved. And you know what Jesus' response was? He wept over Lazarus. I want you to put your name right there. The Lord weeps over the things that you've been weeping over. Come on to the single mom here that you've been crying yourself to sleep, not sure how you're going to provide for your family. The Lord weeps over you today because he is your provision. He is your God. He is the one who loves you. He stands on the edge of your circumstance and he's with you and he will not forsake you. But he asked this question, open up the tomb, roll away the stone. Every one of us have had a stone that's lied in front of our life. It's a stone of sin. It's so heavy, we could never move it on our own. It weighs us down and it keeps us separated from God. And those are the wrong choices we make that don't honor God. And they're the choices that you continue to make. And some of them, they're addictions that have filled your life. They're all kinds of things. And it sits there and it's keeping you stuck right where you are. But Jesus, when he shows up with one word, he has the power to move that stone, if you allow him. So he says, roll the stone away, and they roll the stone away. And then Jesus addresses right to the heart of the issue. 
And right now, I believe that the Lord is drawing near. And here's what he does. And this is all about the power of the resurrection. He calls Lazarus by name. Some of you this morning, as I've been speaking, the Lord has been whispering your name. He's been speaking to your heart. He's been trying to get your attention because more than anything else, he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to bring what's dead in your life back to life. He wants the power of the resurrection to fill your life, to fill your home, to fill your family, and to change you forever. Today, he sees right where you are, and he loves you right where you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay in that grave. And so he called out to Lazarus, and as he called out to him, he says, Lazarus, come out. Some of you today, he's calling you out of death. He's calling you out of brokenness. He's calling you out of sin. And he's calling you into a brand new life. Friends, that's the power of his resurrection. But for you to do that, you need to be willing to acknowledge that you need him. You need to be willing to obey his voice when he calls out to you. You need to be willing to take a step towards him. And when you do, the Lord will meet you with his grace and with his mercy and with his forgiveness. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you alone know where you are today, whether you're far from God, whether you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today, Jesus has the same question for you that he had for Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. And he says, do you believe this? The Lord's been calling your name. The Lord's been speaking to your heart. And you feel today's the day, Pastor. I, I've never made that decision or I'm very far from God and I, I need to get right with him. I need, to, I need to make Jesus the Lord and leader of my life. If you're willing to put your faith in Jesus as the resurrection and the life, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, he can bring you into the power of his resurrection. He can set your life free. You don't have to be trapped in Friday and in the pain of your past. You don't have to be stuck in Saturday and in a place with no hope at all. You can experience the power of his resurrection and a hope that is living and active in your life. But you need to take that step towards him. I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. And this prayer is a prayer to turn your heart towards Jesus, to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, that you died and you rose again for me. And I need that power, the power of the resurrection, to give me a brand new life, a brand new start. God sees you where you are. There's nothing you could have done that God can't forgive if you're willing to turn to him right now. But it's a very serious moment. It's a moment between you and God that will change your life forever. And it requires a bold step, a willingness for you to acknowledge your need before God. So wherever you are right now, from the front to the back of the room, watching an overflow, watching online, wherever you are, do not let this moment pass by if now is the moment to get right with God. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you, if that's you, you're going to lift your hand. And when you lift your hand, you're signifying to the Lord, Lord, that's me, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive you. I'm ready, I'm ready to get right with you. I'm ready, Lord, to ask you to come and be my Lord and Savior. I'm, I'm calling on you to come and rescue me out of this grave of death and give me a brand new life. If that's you, today's the day you've been hearing the Lord speaking right now. You ready? One, two, 
three. If that's you, lift your hand right up, real high, right where you are. Come on, don't 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 hold it down. Just lift it up high. I see hands going up all around the room. Anyone up in the balcony? If that's you, just lift your hand high above your head right now. If you're in the overflow, come on, lift it up. Come on, church family, celebrate with what God's doing right now in this moment. Come on, I can feel it. I can feel that the Lord is moving. He is moving right now. He's on the move in someone's heart, in someone's life. I want every person within the sound of my voice right now, everyone in the room, stand to your feet. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want everyone in the room, stand to your feet. Some of you still have your hands lifted right now because this is the moment that's about to change everything in your life. But here's the thing that I caught in the word. Jesus called out to Lazarus and he said, come out of that grave. Come out to me. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable, but I I believe that God's ready to change someone's life forever. I'm going to invite you right now. If you are raising your hand, I want you to come to the front and we're going to pray a prayer to turn your heart to Jesus. And come on, if you're serious and you're ready, just come forward right now. and Just walk out of your seat. Praise the Lord. If there's anyone else, just come. I saw hands going up all around here. Just come on out of your seat. Don't let anything hold you back. If you're sitting next to someone, they raise their hand. Offer to come down to this altar with them. Come on. If you're in the balcony, don't let the balcony hold you back from coming down. Come on down right now and let's just get before the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Just come on out of your seat right now. The Bible says there's a celebration in heaven whenever this happens. Come on, church family. Some more are coming. Are you up in the balcony? Just come. If that's you, just come right now. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you, come on. There's no one to feel ashamed, embarrassed. This is a moment that changes our lives forever. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, it's not too late for anyone to come. Just come right now. We're about to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I think there were some more over here. Please just come right now. I really want, I don't want this moment to pass you by. Come take a step forward towards the Lord right now in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray right now. I want you just to close your eyes, and I want you just to pray right in this moment. I want you to repeat these words after me from the bottom of your heart. Some of you are so afraid to come forward, but I just want you to pray right where you're at. Please do not let this moment pass you by. We're talking to the Lord right now, and as many as would like to pray this prayer along with me, just go ahead and do that. If you're in your seat, if you're unsure, I want want every person here today to leave with the certainty that your heart is right with God. That today when you get to the end of your life, you know with certainty that he is the resurrection and the life. And I'm so thankful for those that have taken a step forward to make that decision. Pray this prayer and these words from the bottom of your heart, everyone that wants to pray this. Pray, dear Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. Come on, repeat these words with me. And forgive me of my sins. They've separated me from you. But today I believe you are the resurrection in the life. And you died to forgive me for my sins. And today I turn to you with everything I am. And today I commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church fam, let's celebrate with those that made this decision. Thank you, Lord. I want you if, you, if you said that prayer, I want you to look at me right now. We have an altar team, Pastor Trisha's right here. Here's what I want you to do. If you said that prayer, we want to be able to minister to you and be able to talk to you and give you a free gift. So Pastor Marsha's right here and Pastor Trish, I want you guys just to follow them. You're going to go right out in the foyer for just two minutes and then you guys are going to be free to connect with your family, whatever you want, but just follow them right now. Let's just walk out of this place and you guys are going to walk that way. Everyone else, I want everyone else looking at me right now. There's, 
Come on, let's celebrate with those that made this decision. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just continue to pray. If you're up here at this altar, that's fine if you need to continue to pray. But I wanted to open up this altar because I felt deep in my heart this morning as I was preaching in the last service that there are some of you today, you know Jesus and you love Jesus. You accepted him at some point in time, but here's the reality of what's going on in your life. You are stuck in Friday. Something has happened to you, some pain, some betrayal, some death, some something, and you've just stuck in that bitterness and you can't find any freedom from it. Others of you today, you're stuck in Saturday. There is a hope that you've been living without, that you have not yet experienced. And I don't want this Easter Sunday to go by without you experiencing the power of his resurrection. I believe Jesus is here today to set you free from Friday, to set you free from Saturday, so you could live in the hope and power of his resurrection. Are you with me? So if that's you today and you just feel, I feel stuck in one of those places, Pastor, would you come forward right now, wherever you are, doesn't matter how long you've been with the Lord, we're going to pray. And just as happened last service, there's a freedom that's going to come into this house today to set someone free from what you've been walking through. So come on, if that's you, just walk out of your seat right now. Come on, just as you come, just come right now as you are. Let's get to this altar and we're going to pray. Again, you could be a follower of Jesus, a believer, but you feel stuck. Maybe something's happened to you. Maybe there's a, there's a pain in your life. Maybe there's a, a hopelessness that you battle with. Maybe you're stuck and trapped in a pit of depression or anxiety or despair. If that's you, just come out of your seat right now and we're going to believe for the Lord to set free. Come on, church family. Begin to celebrate. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to just get with expectation. Come on, if you're in the balcony, don't wait. Just come down. This is going to be the last thing we do this morning before, before we end this time. Come on, you felt like God was speaking to you today. You felt like he's been trying to get your attention. I believe he wants to do something this morning at this altar. So don't let this moment pass you by. Come on, I'm just believing for the power of the resurrection to be at work right here in this place. So come on, I want you to begin to close your eyes and pray, church family. Everyone here, as you're at this altar, just begin to open your heart, open your arms to the Lord. Begin to ask him to come right now. Jesus, we thank you today, Lord God. We thank you that you came, Lord God, and died on Friday, Good Friday, to set us free, Lord God. So Lord, there is no pain, there is no despair, there is no betrayal that's greater than what you endured, Lord God, in every way. You were tempted and tried, Lord God, just as we are. But Lord, you came through that pain, Lord God. You came through that hurt, Lord God, and you redeemed it, Lord God. So we thank you today, Lord God, for those that are stuck in that place, that it is not final. Friday is not final, Lord God. There is resurrection power available, and I pray today, Lord God, that it would be for your people in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For those stuck in Saturday, for those stuck in Saturday, you're in a place of hopelessness. You feel like you've prayed and nothing's been happening. Right now, Lord Jesus, I pray you'd release the power of your resurrection over your people and that, Lord God, they would experience, Lord, a freedom that they've never felt before, that it would be like a tomb has been rolled away, a stone has been rolled away, and you're bringing them into newness of life in the name of Jesus, we pray. Right now, Lord God, we ask you for it. We thank you for it, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. So church family, just be with me for a second. This is the strangest thing. In our last service, I, I was here praying right at this exact time. And in the middle of me praying, I got this really strange pain right in my, right in my side. And this has happened before. My first thought normally is, oh, something's wrong with me. And then the Lord prompts me like, no, this is something wrong with someone and they need healing. And so I, I, I just spoke it out in the last service. It was in this exact moment. 
And as I did, there was someone standing right, right around me. And that's exactly what was going on. And we prayed for them and I believe that the Lord healed them. But in the middle of this prayer time, I got the same exact pain in the same exact place. So I just wanna just speak it out right now. I, I feel this pain right in my side. And if you've been battling a pain right in your side, right here, lower back kind of in your side, and it's and you've not found relief from it, um, I just believe the Lord might wanna heal and touch that right now. So is there anyone here that that's what you're dealing with? I just wanna pray for you in this moment. I don't want this moment to pass you by. If that's you, just lift your hand. That's you right here. Praise the Lord. This is exactly where the person was standing in the last service. Lord Jesus, I want to pray right now. Come on, if that's you right now, I just want you to lift your hand to heaven. Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for your healing to flow, Lord God. Whatever's going on, Lord God, in her back, and her side, I thank you right now, Lord God, that you're relieving it. I thank you that you're healing it. I thank you that you're restoring it, Lord God. I know that as we prayed this week, Lord God, as a team, we prayed that the power of the resurrection of Jesus would be at work in this house, Lord God, and we prayed specifically that you would heal, Lord God. So I pray right now, Lord God, just as you've done in the past, that your healing presence would touch your people, Lord God, not just in this area, but if there's someone today that needs the healing presence of Jesus to come and to lift them up, come on, if that's you, lift your hand in this house. Lord, we need you to come, Lord God, right now. May your resurrection power be at work, Lord God. May you heal cancer in this place, in Jesus' name. Lord God, may you heal disease, Lord God. May you heal issues, Lord God, chronic issues, auto immune issues in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We ask you today to come and do what only you can do. So Lord, we thank you and we love you in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And we pray specifically for this pain, Lord God. If there's anything to it, Lord God, if there's someone here that's battling that and that's exactly what you wanted to use to get their attention, Lord, we pray right now that you would just move and touch and heal in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we ask for the power of the resurrection to fill this place, to lead us from this place, to help us to live in it every single day. And we will thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, will you praise the Lord with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team if you're here. Some more of our prayer team members might be present. We're going to hang around. If you need prayer and you've been at this altar, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to be here with you. God bless you. Happy Easter Sunday. If you're a guest this morning, please stop by and say hello to us before you leave. Give us that contact card. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to wish you a happy Easter in person. If not, God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday at 9 and 11 and at our prayer meeting.